Jesus told us to spread his word to the ends of the earth. Your work is vital. So what should I do now? Go to the south. To the desert road that leads from Jerusalem to Gaza. We should go. Right now. Go where? The Gaza road. What are you talking about? You didn't see the angel. Go. Do as the angel commanded. And I'll press on towards Joppa. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. As a lamb before his shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who shall speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. You look to have fallen on hard times, friend. Indeed. And I have fallen hard. Do you need help? I've repaired a few wheels in my time. Thank you. Please. The passage we're reading just now, Isaiah. Does it bring you comfort? I had hoped it would, but I am struggling to understand it. Does the prophet speak of himself or of someone else? He's talking of a man who knew great suffering and humiliation. A man who taught us that through faith we will find salvation in him. Who is this man? He is Jesus Christ. The Son of God. Look, water in the desert. Now what can stop me being baptized and taking the word of Jesus to the corners of the world? Do you repent your sins? I do. I do. I have looked past God. I have been proud. And I have been conceited. I have been an ambassador for violence and hate. That is past. What matters is who you now choose to be. Huh. Are you ready? Do you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who died on the cross and rose again on the third day. I do. Then in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, I baptize you. Open with me to Acts chapter 8 as we go through the entire book of Acts verse by verse by verse this year. 
And I forgot my Bible. Where'd my Bible go? Oh. That's okay. Yeah. Let's do that. Actually, I like my version. Where's my version? Hey, who stole my Bible? There it is. Judy caught you red-handed because of the red letters. All right. Sorry. Uh, That's my bad. (laughs) I'm going to need that this morning. Hopefully you go to a church where they preach from the Bible. Uh, Not all of them do. Just be cautious. Hey, Acts chapter 8. I should know it by heart. All of it. Yes. Uh, We're going to discover today uh, a guy who starts off, he already has two strikes against him. He was a Gentile, all right? In Acts chapter 8, he was a Gentile, meaning he was a non-Jewish person, not a part of God's original family here, this thing he's doing in Israel. And he was from uh, Ethiopia. So this is far, far away. And it's not the Ethiopia we, we know today, uh, but it's pretty close to it there. Countries and things change over time. But he's this uh, guy from a godless nation. He's uh, working for a godless Pagan queen, we see her name here is Candace. And even though he's in this highly esteemed government position as a, a treasurer, uh, among God's people, he would have still been considered lowly. So he's this Gentile guy working for this pagan nation. That's strike number one. Strike number two is he's a eunuch. Uh, how do I say this nicely? Um, he's a man who's missing some pieces of being a man. Can I say that in church? Uh, we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> you can use your, maybe don't use your imagination. Uh, but this wasn't uncommon for somebody working in a royal position so that they, they weren't tempted to uh, chase after some of the royal ladies and so that uh, they didn't try to make a claim to the throne or anything like these are my kids and I'm the next king and my kids are going to take over this country kind of thing. So, uh, but, but in the book of Deuteronomy, we have verses about any guy who's castrated, uh, can't enter into the worship of God's people. And, and I'm thinking, you know, maybe is this because uh, of God's command to go forth and multiply? The children are a blessing to, to populate the earth? Maybe. Maybe in some senses are considered unclean or mutilated. I'm not sure. We're not going to dwell on that. Uh, but we do know, this just to give you a little preface on this eunuch, this Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8, we do know that God's doing a new thing, isn't he? Is he? Amen. Okay, thank you. God is doing a new thing. God is doing a transforming work. That's our, our new series that we're starting here in the book of Acts, The Transformed Life. If you want to get your bulletin insert out, we're going to fill that in in just a minute. God changes life, our lives, turns us into new creation. And, and this message is now spreading out. Not just here in Jerusalem, in Israel, but all across the globe, like a, a rock you throw into a pond, and it just ripples, right? It's just rippling out this gospel. Let's see, Acts chapter 8. Let's take a look, Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord, which you saw in the movie, said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that is, goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now just pause there. God could have sent an angel to this Ethiopian guy. But the angel came to Philip because God wants to work through us. He chooses to work through us. Just remember that. Continuing on, this is a desert place, verse 27, and he rose and went. Well, listen to that obedience. He rose and went. God spoke, he listened and obeyed, rose and went. Do we listen that close? And there was an Ethiopian 
a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. Ethiopia is kind of there below Egypt there, if you remember that. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. Interesting. And was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Pause there. It wasn't on his Bible app. Okay? He didn't have, they didn't have the Gutenberg printing press. To have a scroll of uh, a book of the Bible, you had to have some money, you had to have some means. This guy, he's really, really interested in spending his time, his energy, his money to get to know the one true God. He's got the scroll of Isaiah. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah, verse 29. And the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? It's a good question. And he said, how can I, unless someone guides me? We don't all just know everything about the Bible right off the bat. We need people uh, helping us, guiding us. God working through them. And he invited Philip to come and sit with him. Verse uh, 32. Now, the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opens not his mouth. And his humiliation, justice, was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. Again, this is from Isaiah, about 700 years before Jesus was born, prophesying what's to come of the Savior. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? I love this, verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. We're going to pause there. Take a note so you can write this down. We're called to be missionaries, not museums. We are called to all be missionaries, not museums. Philip's doing a Bible study here, teaching. This is from the scroll of Isaiah, it's talking about the Savior. Let me tell you about the Messiah. Let me walk you through some scriptures. Let's have a little class. Let's have a discipleship time. Let me speak to you the words of God, beginning maybe with Genesis and going all the way through what they had there, the Old Testament scriptures about who Jesus is, who he, uh, what He came to do and what He's going to do. He's having this Bible study with uh, this guy who comes from a pagan nation. Now, He's traveling, this Ethiopian eunuch, about 200 miles to Jerusalem on a chariot. You know, probably drawn by horses or something. 200 miles. Does that seem like a lot to us? Where we drive, how many miles is it to Cincinnati or Columbus? About 70. About 70? Okay. And we get there in like an hour. Depends who's driving, right? You know, 70 miles, an hour, 50 minutes, an hour 20 if there's traffic, right? They didn't have 80 miles an hour, okay, we'll say 70 miles an hour highways back then, even though sometimes the traffic is doing more, right? We want to stay with the traffic. We don't want to get into an accident. So we go higher. I do, okay. 200 miles. This would have taken weeks and weeks and weeks. This guy, boy, how many people are that hungry for Jesus? How many people are that hungry to learn about the God and the scriptures and, and what's going on in Jerusalem. And I've heard some things probably down there. And he comes up 
He's taking weeks and weeks and he wants to find out more about the one true God. And then God sends an angel to Philip. I've, I've been preparing this guy's heart. Okay, Go and see him. Go talk to him. Uh, now, Philip's got this successful ministry. We saw Philip last week with the magician, Simon the magician. He's got this successful preaching ministry in Samaria. But God said, go. And Philip said, all right, get her done. Here we go. If God says go, that's a good lesson for us to go. So he's traveling along this desert road. Philip is being obedient, listening to what God has to say to him. And we learn from this, well, Ethiopia. You know, this Ethiopia is not mentioned very many times in the Bible. Okay. In the scriptures, it mainly focuses on God's you know, family, Abraham, Isaac, Jake, traveling through these parts of Israel. But here's Ethiopia. And this guy, this eunuch, we don't have a name for him. He takes, after Philip, he takes the good news of Jesus back to Ethiopia. History says this. Uh, Irenaeus, a second century church father, says that this Ethiopian eunuch guy, he remained faithful. He went on to be an evangelist and a missionary, according to church history, back in the country of Ethiopia, witnessing to others about the Savior, leading them to the one true God, even baptizing them like he had just been baptized by Philip. Is that cool? This is, go and be my witnesses. Acts 1 verse 8. To Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the world. Now, to these people back then who didn't have cars and airplanes and buses and trains, Ethiopia was kind of like the ends of the world. This is really, really far away. And so the message is going to the ends of the world. Now, we don't know what amazing opportunities God has for us every day. How he wants to use you at school. How he wants to use us at work. How he wants to use us in our families, in our friends, in our neighborhoods. But will we be like Philip? Will we be open to God's leading? Will we listen and obey to the mission field that God has all around us? Open our ears. Open our eyes. God, what do you want me to say? God, who do you want me to say it to? <laughs> Too often, American Christians, we hold back, don't we? Oh, I don't want to share my faith. It's, it's awkward and uncomfortable to talk about Jesus. What if they reject me? What if they get mad at me? What if they punch me? It's happened. I don't want to offend anybody, but how callous can we be to not share about Jesus who changes our life today and forever, our hearts. I mean, I, don't, I can't judge motivations and intentions of, of all our hearts or of every Christian. Let's just say, let's not have cold hearts. Let's have hearts that are passionate Amen. about going out. About the mission field all around us. About sharing the good news of Jesus. About sharing how he's changed our life. How he's changed our eternity. And if we just trust and obey like Philip, God's going to handle the rest. God's got this. Do you trust God enough to go where he says to go? To talk to who he says to talk to? Do you trust that he's going to speak words through you? You're like, I don't know a lot of scriptures. That's okay. Start with what you know. John 3.16. I think we can all do that one. Psalm 23. That's another good one. If you just know a couple of verses, you just start with what you have. Just share what you know. 
You're not gonna, if you wait to share about Jesus till you know everything there is to know about Jesus and the scriptures and God, you're never going to share. Because we will never know everything about God, the Bible, scriptures. It's a lifelong learning process and we won't know everything until Jesus comes back. So we just start with what's in our cup right now. Like a couple of weeks ago, Mother's Day, overflowing with God's grace and mercy and love. Just start with what's in your cup and share that. Start with what you know and God will reward your obedience. Philip, he met the eunuch right where he was at. God said, go to the desert road. He knew where the Ethiopian eunuch was and he said, go meet him, intersect right here. That's where he's at. And uh, Jesus, he's, he preached Jesus from Isaiah 23. Excuse me, Isaiah 53. Uh, the, the eunuch is reading the scroll of Isaiah and he's in chapter 53, which describes Jesus in his birth and his life and ministry and his substitutionary death and in his victorious resurrection. Because I don't know if you know this, but the whole Bible is about Jesus. I'm going to send out a video this week. I thought about showing it this morning, but I wanted to see the Philip and the eunuchs interaction more. The whole Bible is about Jesus. Genesis, Jesus. Exodus, about Jesus. Leviticus, about Jesus. Deuteronomy, about Jesus. New Numbers, about Jesus. Joshua, about Jesus. Judges. Okay, it's all there. And there's this really uh, cute kid who's just sharing about how Jesus is in every book of the Bible. The whole entire scriptures God has given to us. It's just Jesus, 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 Jesus. Now, it doesn't always say the name Jesus. In fact, in the Old Testament, uh, it doesn't say the name Jesus. It talks about a Messiah. It talks about a Savior. But it's all foreshadowing, looking forward to Jesus. And Philip knew this. He knows this. He's like, oh, you're reading Isaiah. Let me tell you about Jesus. If he was in Jeremiah, he would have said, oh, you're in Jeremiah. Let me tell you about Jesus. Oh, you're in Jonah. Oh, you're in Habakkuk. Let me tell you about Jesus. Whatever... Wherever people are at, and a lot of people that you meet, they might not be reading from a scroll of Isaiah. But we can still meet people right where they're at. Not just physically, but I'm talking spiritually, emotionally, mentally. If people, a good question to ask is, where are you at spiritually? And just listen to them. See what they have to say. Are they with Buddha? Are they with Muhammad? Are they with Jesus? Do they believe in the God of light and love? Are they like, uh, you know, I'm a cafeteria religion. I just take from all these different religions, make my own. Are they an atheist? See where people are at spiritually. And then, because you're not going to convince somebody about Jesus if you're preaching, like you're sharing like you would to a Muslim to help convince them if they're an atheist. You're talking about completely different uh, points of view. Perspective. So if somebody's an atheist, there's ways to share Jesus. If somebody's uh, a Buddhist or a Taoist or a Hinduist or whatever, there's ways to share about Jesus for each faith that kind of hit people different. To make a difference to them. Meet them where they're at. As a missionary. See, there are a fair amount of people who go to be missionaries around the world. And we need those people. But there are way too many of us who won't even start by being a missionary across the street. By being a missionary in our own neighborhood. By being a missionary in our own city. God has you right here. If you go to Puerto Rico and share the gospel, great. If you go to Ethiopia and share the gospel, I praise God for that. But let's look around. 
and in your job, and your neighborhood, and your school, with your friends, and your groups, and your programs, and your activities, and your sports, and your whatever. Where has God placed you? Because that is where God wants to use you. I don't know if you know that. I love this verse also from Isaiah. God asks Isaiah, Whom shall I send as a messenger to the people? Who will go for us? And Isaiah responds, Here I am. Send me. That's it. God's asking all of us today, Who will go for me? Who will share the good news of Jesus? And how will you respond? How will I respond? How will we respond to God? Will we say, I'm too busy. It's too awkward. It's too uncomfortable, God. No thanks. I don't like rejection. Even though we serve a Savior who was rejected, so we should just expect it, right? Or will we say, here I am. Send me. Where do you want me to go? Who do you want me to talk to? What do you want me to say? Do we have that attitude? For His glory... And the good of other people, no matter what they might do to us. God and Jesus have made it very clear, and everybody else throughout the scriptures, that they're not just calling us into a church gathering, but they're sending us out. I like to say, to be the church in the world. Some people say, oh, I'm going to church. No, you're not going to church. You're going to the church building to gather with the church family, sure. But you're not going to church. You are the church. Amen. We go out and we be the church. The church exists for the world. The church family gathers together to worship our Savior, to, to build one another up so that we do nothing throughout the week, so that we just live our lives as anybody who doesn't know Jesus would. And then we come back next Sunday and we sing a few songs, yay! And say, amen, amen, yay! No! Monday through Saturday, God's got more work for us to do. We are the church and we exist for the world. We are missionaries, God says, not a museum. God has commanded us to be on mission for all the people around us. This is a little car. If you know Louise Lapp, this used to be a car that she drove. In fact, I have a picture from her. You can look at it after the service. Louise Lapp. I don't know if you ever heard of her. Oh, wait, sorry. No, I'm sorry. Not Louise Lapp. Jack and Louise Herp. If you remember Pastor Jack. This was Louise Herp's, Herp's car. Uh, the real one was hers. There's a picture of it in it. And this was Jack's. And uh, my dad got it from them. I can tell you the date and the time and the, where, the location that he was given to it from Jack after he passed away. But this is what you do in things in a museum. You cover them with glass. Anybody ever been to a museum? Right, You see things and they're covered in glass. We're preserving them. We're maintaining them. We don't want to hurt them. We don't want them you know, inside to get dusty or to get the weather on them. We're, they're in a museum, locked down tight. Some, a lot of times with keys if you've been to a museum. There's locks. Gideon tries to get in. He can't get into the things in the museum, right? Because it, it's just windows or they're locked. Things that are stagnant you see in a museum. Things that are not moving, not active, maybe old, maybe ancient history, maybe dead things like mummies at Boonshoff Museum. Maybe they're collecting dust. And the staff works there 
at the museum to preserve these old things, to maintain these old things, to keep these old traditions, to not go out, not take the museum items out and go on a bike ride with them and, you know, have them fall down and get rained on. No, they don't want things to leave the museum unless they take, ship them to another museum very carefully. They have a very inward focus, maintaining these things. In. Are you, do you have the museum mentality? Are you like, I gather for the church, but our church is like a museum. We're just hung up on these old traditions, old ways, old things. We're all collecting dust. We don't want to move and change and grow to, not to change the message, but to change the methods that God has for us to be using in our world. Are you alive? Are you reaching out? Or do we have an inward church bubble focus? Are we maintaining a museum here? Am I the curator? Am I just going around Monday through Saturday dusting stuff off and keeping it nice and neat so we can have this thing preserved? No! We don't, I hope and pray, we don't have a museum here. Because we're called to go out. Not to hold a museum, but to be a missionary outside the four walls to share love, God's love and forgiveness with the people around us. Everyone on mission. That's God's command. That's our goal. Everyone on mission. Everyone on purpose. Participating. Initiating. A movement of missionaries is what we are called to be. Starting with our friends and family and co-workers and neighbors and moving out just like we see Philip and all these people in the book of Acts from Troy, Ohio to the ends of the world. To Miami County, to Ohio, to the United States, to the ends of the world. Some folks in our community, you know, talk about the Ethiopian eunuch. He's kind of different from other people, from other guys. He's from a pagan nation. There are people in our community who feel unwelcomed inside church buildings, who feel uh, on the outside, who feel maybe estranged from God or from his people, far from God. Maybe excluded. Maybe they, they think, these Christians, they don't like me. These Christians, they think I'm wrong. And we need to be welcoming to them too. Like Philip with the eunuch to show love to them too. Maybe it's an immigrant. A lot of immigrants coming in. A lot of illegal immigrants. Maybe someone from a different ethnicity. Maybe someone from a different political point of view as yours. Maybe... Maybe it's someone from a different uh, ideological leaning. They think certain different things than you think, and I think. Maybe for, they're from the LGBT community. And maybe just maybe God and Jesus love them too. Amen. And want everybody to know about Jesus, who changes our right now and changes our forever. Philip brought joy to the eunuch, and he has called us to bring this joy to the world. Are you bringing joy to the world? What's the opposite of joy? What was it? Sorrow? Bitterness? Anger? Yeah. Or, or are we bringing those things to the world around us? That's a question we need to ask. Let's finish up here. Acts chapter 8. Let's see what else happens. Verse 36. Hmm. Things to wrestle with this morning. 
And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. Well, he's smart, right? <laughs> what prevents me from being baptized? Now, pause there. Some of your Bibles will jump from 36 to 38. Do you see that? Verse 36 in chapter 8 to verse 38 in chapter 8. And you're like, the word 37 go. Uh, I thought there was a verse in between, a number between 36 and 38. I put on your little insert notes here. This is verse 37. It is not in all original manuscripts, but it is in some. And I think it is a good verse. So let's read that here. And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. That's you may get baptized. And he replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's a confession of faith. I think that's really good. Get baptized if you believe and trust in Jesus. Verse 38. Back to a lot of Bibles. And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water. Philip and the eunuch. And he baptized him. Did not wait till right away. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. Some people debate, was he transported? Like Star Trek? God's power could do that. Or did God sort of, this is like a, a, a phrase, you know, a way of saying that God called him elsewhere. Maybe. I think the Star Trek transporting is funner. So, okay. <laughs> and when they came up, Philip and the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on, on his way rejoicing back to Ethiopia to spread the news of Jesus. Verse 40. But Philip found himself at Azotus. And as he passed through, oh, here's an opportunity. He preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Last thought, you can write this down. Live every moment, excuse me, live everyday life with every moment purpose. Live everyday life with every moment purpose. Are you doing this? Are you living your everyday life? Every moment that you have with purpose. I like this verse. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Ephesians 5.16 Do you make the most of every opportunity or are you wasting your time with garbage. You don't have to answer that out loud. It's a rhetorical question. How many hours are we spending staring at a screen? I'm not saying it's a sin. I'm not saying it's evil. But I'm saying that God has maybe called us to do better things than binge watch Netflix shows for all eternity. Okay? Everyday life with every moment purpose. Okay, This Ethiopian... Are you like the Ethiopian? Were you, uh, are you born, reborn into the family of God? Are you a Christian? Have you trusted and believed in the Savior? Have you uh, entered into God's family here? I hope and pray that you have. And then what's he do? Ethiopian eunuch says, Hey, I believe in Jesus, the Son of God. I've made this confession of faith. And so now I'm going to get baptized. It's like hand in hand. I trust and believe. I surrender my life to Jesus. Then I get baptized. I believe. Then I get baptized. I believe. Then I get baptized. If there's anyone who trusts and believes in Jesus here or watching on later on YouTube and you have not been baptized but you trust and believe, then it's time to get baptized. I could take you to the creek right now. Let's go. The river. Right? Be cold. We, we, whatever. People used to get baptized in the wintertime in creeks too and they did not complain about it like we do. Oh, I need it to be 80 degrees. Right. 
if you trust and believe and you want to obey your Savior, I would recommend get baptized. You can talk with myself, you can talk with Jim or Elaine, one of the elders. I, I need to get baptized. Just, just tell us. I believe and I haven't been baptized. And I want to listen and obey my Savior to, to represent His death, burial, and resurrection. We go down into the water, dying to ourselves, and rising to newness, transformed life. Have you done that? Have you done that? And then after conversion, after baptism, we're done, right? We say, I believe in you, Jesus. I trust in you. I surrender my life to you. Every area. And then we get baptized. And then we say, we're done. Right? That's it. Easy. Simple. And we just live for ourselves the rest of our life and never grow in maturity or, or be a part of a church family or give and serve and love and grow. Right? right, right. We're done. Right? No. Wrong. You know that's not true. Once you have trusted and believed. As I say, now the tough stuff starts. Now the tough stuff starts. See a baby inside a mother's womb? Easy peasy, right? For a lot of babies. Oh, you grow, oh, it's warm, it's kind of quiet, it's nice. You're floating around, you hear mommy's voice. You hear some music, and you're just like, I could get used to this. And then you're born, and you're like, what is going on? It's so loud, it's so cold, people are smacking me. What in the world is happening? I'm hungry. It's so bright. What is, what, why would you do that to me? <laughs> You've been reborn. Once you are reborn in Jesus, then the hard stuff starts. Then we live this transformed life. Uh, a butterfly doesn't go from a caterpillar transform into a butterfly. We'll talk about that maybe in a couple weeks. And say, I'm done. I'm a butterfly and now I'm going to die. I have my wing. Now what do they do? They fly. They, they hit the car window sometimes. Hopefully not. It's during monarch season. Yeah. They say, this is newness of life. I could get used to this. I've got work to do. I'm going to fly. I'm going to go to Mexico. Some of these butterflies. Woo, on vacation. Right. This is what they do. And a baby's born and baby's like, I got to grow. I need some milk. And then I need some meat as I get older. And we grow like Elaine's been talking about in her class, 9.15, Sunday morning. Spiritual maturity. Grow. Learn to give. Serve. Love. Don't turn into a butterfly and then go into a windshield and you're done. Baptism is not the end of your spiritual life. It's a, very, it's a beginning. It's a rebirth. To the transformed life. And now the hard stuff has begun. And now it's time to follow Jesus. Now he's got work for us to do. He's got a mission for us to accomplish. In our everyday life. With purpose and gospel intentionality. Not just, oh, we'll see whatever happens, happens. No. Like, who in my life doesn't know Jesus? And God, what do you want me to say to him this week? See, that's a different mindset, isn't it? Rachel loves this verse, maybe her favorite, Romans 12.1. And the message version says this, Take your ordinary... Wait, sorry. Here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your ordinary, everyday life, you're sleeping, eating, going to work, going to school, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Take your everyday, ordinary life. All the normal stuff you and I do. Are you placing it before God as an offering? Saying, all that I am is yours. Who do you want me to minister to this week? 
your everyday, ordinary life. I've got this really cool calendar that I want to share with you. And Hallie knows what's up. Because I saw this calendar at her house. And I think she may have gotten it for us this year. I said, that is so funny and so cute. Look at his kitty cats. And they're like going to space and stuff. And that's hilarious. Somebody's really good with Photoshop. Oh my goodness. And this is crazy. And this has got a hat, a wig, and, uh, and limes. And Oh, it's inside of a donut. Okay, so it's a calendar. Here we go. This is this month. <laughs> tacos. So appropriate. It's so great. There's tacos. They're in space. Okay. We got to have this mindset. Thinking of our everyday, ordinary life is not everyday ordinary. It's ordained by God from Jesus to do His work in this world. Every moment is a mission opportunity that we have. Starting with the people that live under our roof to disciple them, to train them in the ways of Jesus at the table. Deuteronomy 6, 4 says, you know, 6, 4, 5, 6. Uh, on the way that we go places before bedtime. We are teaching and training the discipling. Every day is a ministry opportunity, starting at home and then going out from there. We are not just a Christian on Sundays, mornings, 10, 15 a.m. to 11.30. Okay, 11.40. Okay, whatever. We're not just a Christian on Christmas. That's <laughs> so cute. We're not just a Christian on Easter. We're not just a Christian when we do outreach events on this day. And this day, we're not just representing Jesus when we love our city and go and serve. We're not just a, a Christian at Summit and Family Camp and Fuel. We are missionaries every single day of every single week and month and year, God has given us, commanded us to be His people in this world, to be on mission for Him. Every single day. You got a day off? You're on mission. Amen. You got a weekend off? You got Memorial Day? You're on mission. Who are you going to see at the parade that you can encourage, that you can speak words of life to? Words of Jesus, too. It all starts with a mindset shift. Not just, oh, Dan's the missionary. Dan's the minister. The pastor's got this. The evangelist, they got this. The youth leader, she's got this. And I'm just going to sit back and watch the ball game. Every day the Reds are on all day long. Or the Bengals or the Browns. Or the, I'm just going to chill. In my man cave. Or my woman cave, which is a laundry room, right, Rachel? No, that's not fair. That's not fair. That's not fair to ladies. God doesn't take, okay, He does take a day off to rest, but we do not take a day off to be His people in this world. And um, when you go to the restaurant after church on Sunday or any day, leave a big tip. And leave an invite. You can pick them up in the Welcome Center for Troy View Church to let people know God is generous. And we want to be generous with you. If you are a bad tipper, don't leave an invite for Troy View. Please do not tell them that our church is stingy. Don't be cheap. God is not cheap with His grace for us. 
We need to be generous people. When you go to the, get an oil change. And the people sitting around you are waiting too. You can share some things with them. What's going on? You know, you don't start off with, do you know Jesus if you died tonight? Where would you go? Right? We don't need to start in on all that. But we can start in with, hey man, how you doing? What's going on? What's up in your world? Maybe the conversation continues to, hey, where are you at spiritually? Hey, I just, you know, went to our church service yesterday at Troy V Church and, hey, here's something I learned. Maybe it'll encourage you. Maybe we can lead an encouraging conversation, speak words of life. At the grocery store in line, when you're getting your hair did and your nails and your feet did, right? Wherever you are at, you are representing God and Jesus every single day. You are a missionary. Wherever you're at, whatever you are doing. So the question isn't, if are you a missionary? We already know the answer to that. The question is, will you accept that you're a missionary? Will you be intentional with purpose, with gospel intentionality, sharing Jesus with other people? It's not, mission isn't another thing we do. It's how we do all our things. Baked into it. Everything. Baked into it. Instead of standing in line like this, mindlessly scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Instead of sitting at the oil change like this, right? Our screens have taken over our lives. And I am not exempt to this. How about we put the phone down? And elevate Jesus. And just look around the room. And say, God, who do you want me to talk to? Look people in the eye. Make contact. Start a conversation. And I'm challenging myself to do the same this week. Because we are all on mission for Jesus. The question is, are we doing it well? Or are we doing it poorly? Everyday life with every moment. Purpose. We're going to sing our last song. And as uh, we're getting ready... I just want to close with this. I read this. I'll do I'll be real quick. Eight ways to be missional. I thought this was good. Be relational. Build friends, not targets. You're my project. No, just be relational. Be intentional. Purposeful. Be present with the people around you, right? Not boo. Okay? Be available because God moments are unexpected and sometimes inconvenient. Be a blessing. Because we're blessed to be a blessing. Be generous at the restaurants and everywhere else. Because in, uh, as God in Christ has been generous with us. Be hospitable as God in Christ has welcomed us. And be patient as God in Christ has been with you and me. So who around you this week? Will you wake up and say, God, who do you want me to talk to? What do you want me to say? Let's do that this week. Start a conversation. Live as a missionary showing the love and grace of Jesus. Can we do that? Yes or no? Can we do that? Don't say yes and then go from here and do nothing. You're not lying to me. You're lying to yourself and to God. Let's be the missionaries that God has called, commanded us to be. Stand and sing to our missional God.
with me? Heavenly Father, You are the God of miracles. We know that You have done a miracle in our life, bringing us from death to life. And I pray that You'd empower us, that You'd fill us with Your Spirit and Your strength and Your courage and Your wisdom to go from this building and be Your church in the world so that others can know the miracle that You have done. Giving us Jesus, Your Son, our Savior, who died in our place and their place for our sins who saves us and sets us free and is coming back to set up your kingdom on this world. It is a miracle what you have done. Speak through us. Live through us this week and every week to help other people know that miracle. Troy V. Church, we thank God most of all for His miracle, whose name is what? Jesus. His name we pray. Amen.